0: Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st, cash prizes, free swag, yacht meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review, send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com, and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show.
1: For example, I was, I don't know about how you do your deals, but I was at Grant Cardone's office and he was telling me that, uh, Anyone who invests with him they, they don't they don't see their money, they can pull it out for like ten years, right so you really have to have a long term tire preference, you can't be freaking out about the charts every single day so once you develop that long term tire preference and you establish like what that solvable problem is, you kind of like just let go of the stress of the volatility because mm. crypto's really volatile right now, and uh, the regulation is coming, but I think that it's we're getting really really close and it's going to be really good so Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business,
0: and wealth building, all while keeping it real—no fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the report. Today, we are back in the studio here in San Diego, and we got a very special guest who we actually met recently uh, at a local meetup that I spoke out—the uh, Garage Collective here in San Diego. But uh, he invests in uh, self-storage facilities as a limited partner. He's in the brick-and-mortar marketing business. I got none other than Doug James. Doug, welcome to the show, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, Rich. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, you're actually local here in uh, Little Italy. You're a neighbor of mine. So yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do uh, in the space today?
1: Yeah, man. So um, I'm basically in the marketing and sales space, you know, dabble in the real estate space as well and crypto. Um, this whole entrepreneur journey for, for me started when I was in the Navy. You know, so I was in the Navy for 10 years as a hospital corpsman, deployed all over the world, got to see and do amazing stuff. And uh, it wasn't until early 2015, I was on a deployment to Papua New Guinea, Fiji and the Philippines. We were literally building schools for kids and building like clinics and stuff. And uh, that was probably some of the best work I've ever done, like as a human being. You know, so after that deployment, I realized like i had done all I wanted, I could do in the Navy. I wanted to do something else and working with kids, giving back to people they need in need and organizations like that was really important to me. So, you know, I I was like, you know what, I need to figure out how to make an income outside of the Navy. So I ended up finding digital marketing, got into the brick and mortar lead generation space, got a bunch of clients. And, you know, within a few months, I was already making my monthly income that I make, you know, in a year in Navy, I was making that in a month, right? So it happened pretty quick. But, uh, you know, lead generation has always been my bread and butter. And through that process, I got into the coaching space. Because, you know, people are like, how do you make money? Like, well, I, you know, teach me how to do that. So it's like, so I ended up creating a coaching business, and it all started with a, um, a really high-ranking individual that was in the Navy came up to me, and he said, uh, HM1, which is my rank? HM1, he's like, hey, H1, I'm getting out the Navy next month. I'm 45 years old. I've been in Navy for 25 years. Can you teach me how you're making money outside the Navy? So naturally, as an entrepreneur, I created a coaching program, and it's grown into a $30 million a year business to now, so... I'm a big
0: fan of uh, paying uh, into coaching because it just shortcuts your path from point A to point B. I'm currently in three masterminds myself as as a member. And all of those have been very, very beneficial in my growth progress. One, it shortcuts your path. But number two, it prevents you from making any big mistakes. And so if you can pay someone X amount of money to help you, you know, figure out how to make 10x in just one year, That is a huge ROI, often a much bigger ROI than, you know, going to a four-year university and paying upwards of $250,000, $300,000 these days. Um, So tell me a little bit about the brick and mortar uh, lead gen. How exactly does that work? How do you make money generating leads in that space?
1: Yeah, basically it just starts with a distressed business owner <laughs> like they're like, "Hey, we need more customers, we need more patients, right?" In business, if you don't have a consistent pipeline of new customers or clients, you know, trying to work with you or patients for your clinic trying to work with you, you run the risk of going out of business and trying to make payroll, right? All you you know, this building like has to get paid for, right? Mm-hmm. So I realized that strategy early on, right? That's how I'm here. So basically the way it works is, you know, I'll I'll start to approach a, uh, a prospect and they'll tell me their goals, how they're getting customers right now. That could be through referrals, word of mouth. Maybe they're running Facebook ads. Maybe they're not running Facebook ads or Google ads. We basically put them through a consultation to figure out like, how are they generating customers and what's the best path forward to get them new customers into their business. There's really no better strategy that I've seen than to leverage just behavioral data. I mean, Facebook and Google and YouTube know more about you than you may know about yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. they—if you watch cats all day, you're going to see videos of cats. If you and I start talking about the election, we're going to start seeing stuff about the election, right? Like, it's—it's all programmed through our phones. So there's a way to leverage that data and information to basically pull people from the internet to your ads and make them go into a funnel to convert into a sale eventually, right? So that's basically the process that we go through. Um, That includes building assets, web funnels, text message, email marketing, things of that such to set up the funnel. But I love paid ads because, you know, I I know you do a lot of organic stuff. I see you post heavily on Instagram. Me posting on Instagram and stuff, the organic stuff has been newer for me because I've always been a paid ads guy. Mm. You know, I I can put a dollar into an ad today and, you know, same day, four, five, 10 bucks comes out almost the same day right? So that's why it's such an effective strategy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I like both. I mean, we do mostly organic. We're going to start doing a little bit of paid stuff just to um, try to touch a little bit different audience. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting what you said. So how much can you make, you know, soliciting for Legion gen in this brick and mortar space?
1: Yeah, you can make a lot. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I was just, for example, in my first six months, I was making 50 grand a month, right? Which is basically my base salary in the Navy. One of my top students makes 250 grand a month basically from going through exactly what I do just teaching them how to do it right the average person that we work with that enrolls into our premium coaching basically makes uh, somewhere between 10 to 15 grand in their first six months so yeah it can and it's basically pretty much passive um, I call it semi passive because there's obviously some work you have to do but like any business uh, you want to set up the foundation of employees and you know payroll and systems and processes so to basically take you out of that operation so the business is running without your involvement. That's one of the key things that I think I've focused on in the last three years is how do I get this cash coming in but take me out of it? And the faster I was able to do that and reinvesting the money that I was receiving back into the business... To invest into talent was able to achieve that, and I'm I'm so glad I did because now I have my time back. I can be with my family, and I could start other ventures like real estate, crypto, and all these other things that I'm involved in. Right, so I got to say that's that's a key benefit.
0: So, if you want to generate fifty thousand a month gross, what kind of team is required for that, or is that something that you could do uh, as a one man
1: show? For me, I was I was at fifty k a month with just two VAs. The, the main thing that I was focusing on was revenue generating activities. How do I get cash in? And number one way to do that is to just get more calls on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Like if I can just spend more money on ads and traffic, book appointments and just talk to people to close over the phone, then great. That's what I need to focus on. My two VAs basically at the time focused on just fulfillment, setting up the funnel, setting up the ad campaigns. And these weren't, VAs from like um, overseas, these were US-based, you know, competent people. Not saying people overseas are not competent. There's some amazing talent you can get from like the Philippines. We, we have a huge Philippine um, VA team right now. They're amazing people. But when I started out to hit the level of competence required to drive traffic and conversions and data and an- analytically, US-based was kind of the way I went when I first started. Interesting, man. So uh, in addition to this, you partner with fund managers to uh, solicit and gather accredited investors. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So right now, the number one thing that I'm focusing on is, you know, I I know marketing, I know sales, I know how online traffic works. Real estate has been one of the things that's been most intriguing to me recently, because once you become, you know, an eight, seven, eight figure earner, you know, in California, you got taxes, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we got to, we got to pay tax. So one of the ways that, um, I've been, uh, Basically, trying to mitigate that as much as possible, getting into real estate. So I invested in real estate, but also realized, you know what? I'm really good at marketing and sales, and I've created all these relationships with these real estate investors, with these real estate funds. So basically, that kind of got me into the doorway of uh, generating leads for for fund managers. And the way it works basically is we still leverage the same principles of behavioral data and online traffic, and we just set up campaigns online to drive traffic to a webinar funnel. Where, you know, the fund manager could be a deal that they're putting together, a new development in Arizona or California somewhere, and they're trying to raise 10 million bucks, right? It doesn't matter where it's at or what the, what the total is, but we basically just drive traffic there and optimize for webinar conversions. And based off of our experience and the, and the data that we have and the resources we have, we can target specifically those ads to people that are, are, have a high probability of being an accredited investor, right? Which is, you know, a million net worth or 200 grand a month, right? Roughly. Mm-hmm. So, um, 200 grand a year. 200 grand a year. Thanks. Just starting out. <laughs> oh, <No>, you're <laughs> okay. okay. But yeah, so we put the campaigns out to those guys and um, they watched a presentation and it's just a numbers game. You know, if you can get a thousand people to sign up for the webinar at, let's say, you know, 30 bucks a pop, right? If you do the math on that, it's about $30,000 in ad spend, right? And then let's say 50, 50% of those people show up. That's 500 people on a webinar that cost you 30 grand, right? 500 people show up to the webinar. Let's just say 10% of them book a call with your team to invest into the fund, right? Now you're talking to 50 people, Mm -hmm. right? Let's say your sales team has a 20% closing rate, right? So that's 10 new investors acquired for $30,000. And let's say the average person invests, you know, your minimum is 100 grand. Well, cool. Then that's a um, million dollars. A million dollars right there with 30 grand invested. Yeah. So I had to keep track of all the numbers. But that's basically what the conversion rates look like through a web a webinar, book a call call the Action Funnel. Very, very interesting. So I'd imagine
0: you'd have to do a 506C because you're marketing soliciting for investors. And I'd imagine there's sponsors out there that are looking for uh, investor capital. So I can see that being a, a lucrative thing for you right now we have like more investor capital than we know what to do with. Mm-hmm. It's our, our bottleneck is is finding good deals to buy. Yeah. But right now we're getting anywhere from five to 10 like new investors call or go to our website and book a call mm-hmm. um, just organically through, you know, social media or podcasts or they heard me on another podcast. Yeah. But right now we need help finding deals. So that's our bottleneck currently, yeah. but maybe there'll be another day where that shifts and then I'll hit you up. So we'll see. But uh, all that to say, man, is that's very cool what you're doing. And, uh, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the self-storage stuff you're investing as a limited partner mm-hmm. in a self-storage. Who
1: are you investing with? Yeah. So, um, AJ Osborne, Okay, he's out of Boise. I know of AJ,
0: man. I got to get yeah. him on the show sometime. I've never yeah. actually like physically met him in person, yeah. but I know of him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really cool guy. We've, uh, I've actually never met him in person either at this point. Um, I probably, that'll probably change very soon. No bigger pockets is coming up and he's probably going to be there. And, um, one of the deals that I'm in with AJ is uh, he's got a brand new development out in Surprise, Arizona. It's about 160,000 square foot storage deal. But Surprise is cool. It's like a really progressive area. I think Puma is moving their whole organization there from the U.S. Massive malls, apartment buildings are going up in that area. So it's a really progressive area. And uh I really like self-storage because first of all, like multifamily and apartment buildings, that's all great. You, the boutique hotel stuff that you do is all amazing. People always need a place to live. Mm-hmm. I believe in that. I'm probably eventually, I'm probably going to talk to you at some point about your boutique hotels, but uh self-storage is really good because people always want to hoard and keep their stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like they always have overflow, you know, and, and unfortunately the economy, the way it's going, you know, are we going to, are we in a recession? Or are we not? Or, you know, people, People are losing their homes, you know, right? They're going upside down on their mortgages, losing their jobs. Like, you know, unfortunately, that stuff happens. But people still need a place to put their stuff. So, there are fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month rent, whatever that is. Maybe they can't afford that, but they can afford eighty to hundred bucks for a storage unit to at least keep their stuff in a safe place, right? So, self storage is a, I think, a, a really prime opportunity. And that's what really caught my attention. I saw what AJ's was doing and I thought it was a really great investment opportunity. So I'm in some other syndications and uh, and developments with him as well. Yeah. I always say, uh,
0: you know, multifamily um, and self-storage is, is evergreen, right? Mm-hmm. It can't be Kodak. It can't be Blackberry. There's a lot of technologies that boom and then they bust five, 10 years down the road because yeah. technology is just moving and, and evolving quicker and quicker. But with that, there's two things in life that will never be replaced, at least While we're around Mm -hmm. Elon Musk might think of something on on the Mars rover or something like that down the road. But until that happens, I believe it's like, you know, a place for people to sleep and a place for people to store their belongings. That's never going to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, what are some of these other projects that you're investing with? Learning to become a successful real estate investor can take a lot of time and dedication, which some people just don't have. If you're one of these individuals, this doesn't mean you can't invest in real estate. My company, Summers Capital, is buying a bunch of boutique hotels right now, and you can invest with us in these deals without having to do any of the work. Our team sources the deals, we secure the lending, we take care of all the renovations, and we even handle all the day-to-day operations with our in-house management company, making it truly hands-off and passive for our investors. If you want to learn more to see if we can help you, go to Summers.com capital.com slash invest to book a call with our team. Again, that's SummersCapital.com slash invest. Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm really into crypto, right? If we were transitioning from the real estate stuff. Um, so basically, I'm part owner in a crypto publishing company, right? So what we are doing with that publishing company is helping um, influencers, even celebrities or authors or even fund managers in real estate. We have one one deal we're working with right now, basically get onto the blockchain because Blockchain and Web3, what it offers is a an immutable ledger for you and I to transact and send each other funds and assets, and it's fully verifiable, immutable on the blockchain, right? We don't have to go to a third-party bank or anything like that, or even an attorney. We could just do it us together on the blockchain, and it's documented, right? There's definitely some things being tweaked in the process, especially on the legal side, because crypto right now is not fully regulated, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, the U.S. government is going through the process of getting it regulated, but regulation is going to come and it's going to be really good because it's basically going to give us more of a guideline on how to behave and how to interact with crypto and blockchain, right? So we've kind of been at the forefront of this technology and um, got some things set up in the Cayman Islands because Cayman Islands is recognized as a, uh, a verified, trusted guidelines for, um, for crypto. Right. And the U.S. falls underneath that. Right. So basically what we're doing is we're taking all these, you know, entrepreneurs, authors, getting them on the blockchain. Uh, One of the deals that I'm really excited about is um, one fund is Palladium. They're starting uh, the minimum, I think, is 10 million that they're doing, but it's going to be 2000 NFTs and investors can just buy the NFT. And participate in that project. And what they, what Palladium does, it builds resorts and airstrips for you know deck of millionaires and billionaires, you know, at their private resorts. So it's going to be a really good opportunity. We're also working with um, uh, Chris Voss, the FBI negotiator. His events and coaching. We're basically just uh, offering to his consumers an opportunity to participate in his events and coaching via just buying one of the NFTs. Right. What exactly is an NFT? Yeah, good question. So it stands for non-fungible token, meaning it's it's non-fungible. Like a quarter fun- a dollar is fungible. Like you can give me a dollar. Here's four quarters, right? The NFT it's it's one for one. It represents something, right? It's a it's a digital form representation of a purchase. It's kind of like a receipt, you know. So if you were to buy my NFT, I might give you you know a multifamily home in Ohio, right? It basically just represents um, a purchase. And it, we're seeing a lot of people use NFTs. Like Gary Vaynerchuk owns the first restaurant in New York. I think it's called Three Fish or Bonefish. I, I forget the name of it. But basically, in order to go there and eat, you buy one of the NFTs. You have to be a, a membership holder or a club hold, holder of that NFT, right? So there's a lot of opportunities to get people NFTs and um, you can actually earn royalties off NFTs as well. So let's say you're having a membership club and uh, you know it's an event that you put on once per year, right? And it's only there's only ever gonna be like 250 Seats ever sold for this event that you put on every single year, right? But you have an audience of like a million people, mm-hmm. right? And all million people want to come to this event that you put on every single year. Why? Because you're doing teaching and coaching, or you're giving away assets and vehicles, or your people are getting first hand exclusive opportunities to your investment deals, and you have LeBron James coming to speak, and you have you know all these other maybe Elon Musk shows up, right? It's the place people want to be, and there's only 250 tickets. Let's say you start to sell them for a thousand bucks a piece. You sell out in 10 minutes. Well, there's only 250 tickets, right? So what do you think the the remaining 999,000 people are going to want to do? They're going to compete and bid to buy that ticket. And basically what you sold for a thousand bucks could be go for a hundred grand.
0: Scarcity creates demand.
1: Exactly. Right. So there's ways to earn royalty and you can actually earn royalties off that as well. Every time that ticket is flipped to someone else, you can get two and a half to 5% back. So it creates a unique opportunity with there as well, and a lot of people are using that the membership side of it right now. That's one of the things we're mention we're leveraging it for, but also the uh, it's really intriguing seeing what people are doing in real estate and the funds getting them on the blockchain too. That's like probably the two main areas that we're working on right now. That is interesting. I did have a call uh,
0: last year, and it was uh, with this fund to where they would uh, they sold some sort of coin or whatever. Uh, it was it was some sort of cryptocurrency. But that currency would transition into real assets that they would acquire yeah. in their fund. And at the time they were picking up like short-term rental portfolios yeah. and providing, you know, cash flow returns um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. I didn't have too of a too much of an in-depth conversation with yeah. them, but that was kind of the basis of how they operated. So I thought that was unique. Now this fund that you're alluding to, uh, tell me a little bit about how exactly you guys are positioning this fund to acquire real estate and what kind of real estate are you guys going after?
1: Yeah. You talking about palladium? Palladium rather. Yes. Yeah. Basically, um, like I said earlier, it's, we're going after credit investors um, that are, you know, they got cash that they're looking to distribute and the, all they're going to do is set up an online, you know, wallet through web three, right? They're going to hook up their bank account. They're going to wire over USD to their Web3 wallet. You can use something like MetaMask, right? What's MetaMask? MetaMask is basically a decentralized crypto wallet. Mm. You, anybody can sign up for one. And uh, what I really like about the decentralized world, we were talking about like DeFi a little bit earlier. So if you start with your bank account, like most of us, we we have a Chase account, Bank of America, or one of these big, big banks, right? For me to send you money, you know, I have to go send you a wire. If I want to send you a million bucks, I got to wire it. It's probably going to take a week. Then the bank's going to be like, hey, why, why are you sending this money? Like, who, do you know this guy, right? This, all this paperwork could take a week. With um, crypto and NFTs, like you and I could transact in less than 10 seconds. Nobody even knows about it, right? So these investors or, or any, anyone for that matter, all you would need to do is set up a decentralized wallet using MetaMask. But you, would, in order to get your money onto blockchain right now, your USD, you have to sign up through a centralized exchange. And the number one exchange in the US, which is a publicly traded company, is Coinbase, right? So you would go to Coinbase.com, create an account, connect your bank account to it. You would basically wire your USD to Coinbase for US dollars. And then from Coinbase, you would switch it into a crypto, which is, I would probably switch it into USDC, which is pegged to a dollar. So one USDC equals $1, right? And then you just basically send your uh, crypto from Coinbase over to your MetaMask wallet. Now you're decentralized, right? You control the keys to that wallet. When your money was on Coinbase, you didn't actually own your money. Coinbase owned your money, right? Just like technically your money that's in the bank. You don't own your money. The bank owns your money, Mm -hmm. right? Once you move your bank over to a decentralized wallet that you have the keys to, you own all of your assets, right? So we're getting investors basically to go walk through this process and um, the NFT would be held on an, a decentralized app where they can basically connect their wallet to. It's like an online app or online website where they connect their wallet. They transact to purchase the NFT. Let's say it's a million bucks. They purchase the NFT for a million bucks and it goes into their wallet. So now the NFT that they have that lives on the blockchain represents their purchase, it's the receipt of whatever their asset is. It's got all the details on there. And then anybody could see that. Like I can go look into your wallet basically or on your blockchain and see all of your assets and everything that you own. So there's like no question. That's the only thing about it. It's, it's kind of hard to, once you're doxed and people know what your wallet is, they can see all your transactions that you do. But that's part of the beauty of transparency with blockchain too. So it's kind of like almost a double-edged sword depending on how you look at it. So where do you see the future going with uh, digital currency? I think it's, you know, we're already seeing it right now, but I think if you go to Starbucks or go pump gas, like you're going to be transacting in some kind of currency, Bitcoin or USDC or something at some point, you know, and we're already seeing it. Disneyland has a uh, uh, a, a crypto program. They're rolling out Starbucks is They have a new rewards program where you get NFTs and based off how many N- N- NFTs you get or which ones you get, you like, you get free coffee. Nike's doing one. One of the biggest players in the space right now is Polygon. Polygon's a top 10 crypto asset. Matic, I think is they're their worth, symbol of Matic? Yeah, Matic is their currency. I think they're about a 4 or 5 billion market cap currently from when we're doing this podcast. But they're they're taking all the big dogs, man. They're taking Disney, Nike. Um, they're taking Starbucks, some of these multi-billion dollar brands. Mm-hmm. And just getting them onto the blockchain. And um, I really do think at the few, in the next 5 to 10 years, I mean, it's... Everyone's going to be walking around transactionating daily, I think, in crypto, you know, versus USD. And if we take a look at what's going on in the economy with the U.S. dollar right now, you're losing your spending power with inflation, right? That's why people get into real estate, right, to to hedge against inflation. And you got stuff going on right now in the economy with like, uh, you know, basically Saudi Arabia or these other countries in Russia not, you know, using dollar as their standard, right? They're going to be using the Chinese yuan, right? I think some of that stuff is still up in the air, but if you look at um, Every single currency in history, it takes about 100 years, 30 to 100 years before their currency goes to zero. And this is not fear mongering for our U.S. dollar. This takes a really long time to do. There's a, it's like a 30 year transition period for when things start to go south and it's going to have to be replaced by something. I don't have a crystal ball, but I think cryptocurrencies, because of its disruptive technology with blockchain, it seems like it's it's the best bet. You know, If you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin against your U.S. dollar has gone up a thousandfold. Your are mm-hmm. bu- purchasing power with Bitcoin. So, but the reason why people get upset with Bitcoin, because it's volatile. They might have bought when Bitcoin was 60 grand. Now the price tanked 50%. They're like, oh, crap, this is a scam. Like I'm, I'm, I lost half my buying power in six months. I thought this mm-hmm. was supposed to be a store of value. Well, it's like with any asset. You know, there's, there's dribs and um, ebbs and flows of the asset. It goes up and down. Just like in real estate, there's a correction every you know four or so years. Something happens, so um, it's it's all volatile. But I think eventually it's going to basically take over and be the number one currency.
0: So I put a lot of my money into you know real estate. Obviously, I love that it's hard assets. Mm-hmm. You can look at, feel it, touch it. Real people, you know, go to stay at these properties, and they're never going to go to zero. But with some of these cryptocurrencies and these coins. Some of them can go to zero. Yeah. How do you determine or how do you hedge your risk in terms of like selecting the right ones?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So if you go to a website called coinmarketcap.com, I believe it's a .com, just Google CoinMarketCap, it's going to basically give you all of the cryptocurrencies that, that exist, all the ones that are verified. CMC is, is, a, is the most trusted platform to kind of track all the cryptocurrencies, right? The top 10 coins that you're going to find on there The number one, obviously, is Bitcoin, which is sitting around a $500 billion market cap, roughly from shooting this. And I think Ethereum's at like $250 billion currently. The whole market cap for crypto is only like $1.2 trillion, which is crazy if you think about it, because let's like gold, for example, is $12 trillion. So let's say all that liquidity goes right into crypto. That's $12 trillion. That's going to basically 12x cryptocurrency market, right? Just something to think about. But in order to determine like the best one, the the best thing to do, if you're looking for like a safe haven, like kind of like a hard asset, like real estate, you're, the best thing that you could do is to invest in like the top two. I would probably say Bitcoin, number one, because it's the top dog. It's got the most liquidity. It's not as volatile, volatile as the rest of the markets. And it really is seen like a store of value, right? Mm. And the next one after that is Ethereum. Ethereum is an application token, right? So people are using Ethereum to build technology right now, right? It's got a ton of liquidity, but it also has a little bit more volatility to the upside and to the downside. So I would probably say if you're looking for like a hard asset, that's kind of like equivalent to real estate, that's like the top two I would look at. But most of the money isn't made in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Most of the money is made in like the small gems, the small teams, the small projects. The, one, the ones
0: you could pick up for a few pennies a share.
1: Exactly. A coin. Yeah. yeah. You know, they might be freaking a, a tenth of a penny or a thousandth of a penny, right? Now, so what, what
0: do you would suggest there strategy wise? Because I know, I know for me, I personally own some Ethereum and um, some Bitcoin. But mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, you know what, it's like gambling money to me. If I lose it, I'm like, whatever. But yeah. what's the strategy there? If you're gonna go pick up a bunch of, you know, smaller price point coins and just take some fires on them? Would you say just throw your money across like 10 or 15 of them? And if one of them hits? then it's gonna pay you a a 1,000X or whatever it is. Hey guys, real quick, I hope that you're finding value in this show. If you could do me a huge favor and drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you're listening on, it would mean the world to me. Also, if you know of anyone that would potentially benefit from this podcast, feel free to share it with them so we can help more people build wealth through real estate investing. Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's basically... The strategy I think most people used in the last couple of years with mm-hmm. crypto, you know, mm-hmm. they have this this term called degen, like degenerative gambling. Like it's just gambling, right? Yeah. A lot of people got into crypto thinking they were going to be millionaires overnight. And a lot of them did. A lot of people did. I went to uh, I went to Bitcoin Miami last year and I was talking to these guys and they're like, yeah, I bought this coin. I put a thousand dollars in and it, you know, 10,000 X overnight. And now I'm a millionaire. You know, it's like, It doesn't seem common, but in my world, when you're in the crypto space, like that happened to a lot of people. But unfortunately, on the other side of that, people put their life savings in. They put in more that they could lose and they lost it, Mm -hmm. right? Because they weren't educated. Mm -hmm. So, what I would just say if if you're looking to get into any project, you know, um, I would really decide what is it that you're interested in? What technology intrigues you today? You know, a lot of things are going on. We have AI, right? We have finance, right? We have insurance. There's all these different niches that you can get into the marketing, right? What really interests you? And go find a team that's building and innovating in that space on the blockchain. That's where I would start to look. Because if you understand an industry, if you understand real estate, like you understand real estate, go find companies or technology that are in teams that are building to innovate in that space onto the blockchain. Because if our macro belief that blockchain is going to be here to stay and it's not going anywhere and it's probably only going to go up in value and, and the cryptos associated, then the best thing you could do, do is find an industry that you're in right now. And go find a team that's building in that space, right? So that's why, for me, for example, I'm in marketing and in sales, mm-hmm. right? And I work with a lot of coaches and influencers, right? And, and you know, people that want leads or customers, right? So the the project that I'm involved in it's called the um, the Guard Foundation. This is not a shameless plug. I'm just sharing, but it's called the Guard Foundation. But um, basically. We're working with other coaches and influencers and funds to get onto the blockchain, right? And the whole point of that is to give them the opportunity to get onto the blockchain and it allows me to basically flex like what I'm good at, right? So whatever it is that you're good at, figure out which team is doing that. And you want to study the team. Like you'll you'll look into these currencies and they might be sub $10 million market cap, like less than 10 million bucks or less than a million bucks in there. But they just acquired the guy that created the facial technology that exists in all the uh, airports that knows who you are right when you walk in. Why did they take him on? Well, they must be innovating something, and maybe it's KYC. What's KYC? Know your customer, mm. right? So, um, in any any investment or anything that you do, the best thing to, to protect yourself per you know SEC, especially uh, if you're if you have a security right? You want to um, know your customer and that's you and you, them submitting like their passport or their driver's license or something like that. But there's ways to verify the process. A lot of it has been like done manually, right? But there's new technology that can basically instantly verify you on your ID and you just hook up, you just KYC on your phone and your iPhone has a camera in it, right? And it instantly detects that you're who you are based off of the passport that you're submitting, right? So you never know these little small cap currencies, like who they're acquiring, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so looking at the team, looking at their roadmap, looking at where they're going is really important. So that's, that's what I would say to answer your initial question on how to pick these coins is just look at the team. What, are they innovating? Are they building something? Do you believe in it? Do you see the projection, see the growth? And uh, this is another piece of important advice that I learned from my friend, Nick. He's my partner in the company you have to have a solvable problem if you're investing, you know, because um, if you don't have a solvable problem, like what's the point? So, you know, what's to me, the solvable problem is what's the number that you need to hit so that you don't have to do anything anymore? Like the kids are taken care of. Financially, you're good. The house is good. You got the cars. You have the, the properties. You have all that. What is that number eventually, right? And that number is different for anyone, everyone. It could be $10 million. could be $20 million, $100 million. But when you're investing in a crypto or any assets, it's best to have a long-term tie preference, right? Because we know the markets are going to be volatile in the short term, right? So like, for example, I was, I don't know about how you do your deals, but I was at Grant Cardone's office and he was telling me that uh, anyone who invests with him, they don't see their money, they can pull it out for like 10 years, right? So you really have to have a long-term tie preference. You can't be freaking out about the charts every single day. So once you develop that long-term time preference and you establish like what that solvable problem is, it, you kind of like just let go of the stress of the volatility because mm. crypto is really volatile right now and uh, the regulation is coming. But I think that it's, we're getting really, really close and it's going to be really good. So.
0: And I think that's why like real estate in general is not super volatile, such as, you know, paper assets, stock market crypto, Mm -hmm. um, because you can't just go on your app or on your phone and push a button and sell a bunch of shares when there's any sort of bad news in the marketplace. But, you know, the real estate, you know, depending on what kind of asset you have, it could take three, six months to sell it. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, it's uh, a lot less liquid. Um, and I think you, you know, like let's COVID for example, right? Stock market crash fifty percent, but real estate was relatively untouched because it just it takes a long time to sell these assets. So yeah, I, that's an interesting thing. I think Warren Buffett said something about what did he say? He has some sort of quote baked in there about how you should treat your stock portfolio the same way you would treat you know any sort of long term investment. Yeah, and people that do that typically win in the long run. Yeah, you know. But I want to transition here. So I know you were a veteran, and I know that you're helping active duty uh, folks transition to full time entrepreneurs. Uh, when they
1: get out of the service, talk a little bit about that. The veterans are has always been close to my heart because I was one, right? Served 10 years in the Navy. I was a hospital corpsman, you know, trained with the Marines basically for, for war. Um, fortunately, I didn't see any live combat. Um, I think when I was a young, buck, 23 year old, that's what I wanted, but uh, I didn't get the orders. What oars. branch were you in? I was in the Navy. Okay. Yeah, I was in the Navy. So, trained with the Marines. And uh, yeah, so going through that process, you know, it, it's an interesting story because. You know, we talk about how I'm marketing and sales today. Well, um, and I'll I'll get into working with veterans, but it's interesting because the whole time I was in the Navy, anything that I ever wanted to do or achieve was all marketing and sales. For example, back in 2011, um, my chief, my supervisor basically put me up for sailor of the year sailor of the year or, or service member of the year is one of the most prestigious awards that you can be recognized for. It's like being being nominated for like an Oscar if you're, you know, in the movies, right? It's mm-hmm. so it's a big deal. So I went up for this award and I ended up winning it, winning winning sail of the year in Bethesda, Maryland back in 2010 or 11, I forget the year. But in order for me to do that, I had to basically prove to a board of really high-ranking individuals why my package and my accolades was more deserving than everyone else. Because I went up, but there was also like seven other nominees, right? And when you go up for these boards, like you're standing in a hallway and there's a room and you're at attention, you have to go in there, you have to answer all their questions, your demeanor, how you answer the question. They look at all this thing, your body language, your movements. You can kind of call it like a pony show in a sense, but what's important is what's on the paper, because on the paper, I had like a thousand hours of volunteer service. I had uh, my associate's degree. I had all this time and commitment and all these events and stuff that I put on. And that was all marketing and sales. You go into the room, right? So it's just like any job or corporate or anything that you do, everything um, it, it is everything's marketing. So everything is a sale, right? Mm-hmm. And what a lot of veterans don't understand is their whole career was a basically a charade of you doing uh, marketing yourself to other people to close the deal. Mm -hmm. Right. So for veterans, I went through that process. You know, I got out the Navy and you go through a process of uh it's called taps, basically, that you go to through like a few weeks class and they teach you how to fill out your resume, apply for a job, you know, create a LinkedIn profile, some of the basics with social media. And basically you go through this whole process and there's no guarantee of a high paying job or a high paying career. They do have this transition program. It's like 40% successful. So most veterans basically get out and they don't have stuff lined up on the outside and they wait till the last minute, just like the master chief that was in for 25 years. He came up to me. He was like, crap, I'm going to have to go back to school and sit in a classroom with a bunch of 19 year olds. So he came to me. He was like, Hey, teach me how to, how to do what you do. And then I helped him. I think after a few months, he was already making five figures. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just, I think that process should be a lot better than what it is. You know, it's not perfect. It helps, but it's not perfect. And, uh, just over the years, I've had so many veterans that have come to me. We, you know, we've ran traffic, I've held events. And, um, you know, uh, my goal right now is to help at least a million veterans transition from active duty to entrepreneur on creating a fin- financial stability outside the military. And, uh, one of the events that I put together, I've been doing that now for basically ever since I started for almost eight years, but I put on an event called a uh, military wealth summit just last month. And, um, Josh, our 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 buddy that had uh was it Cars Collective? Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Villarreal he held that event and he was actually at Military Welcome because he was a veteran himself. Right, he was in the Navy. I had that event. I think we had sixty people in person. We had two hundred fifty online, so it was over three hundred people total. Robert Kiyosaki spoke. Jason Redman spoke. Jason Redman was actually a Navy SEAL that survived a gunshot wound to the face. Wow. So all these, I brought all these people together and I brought all the, all the, all the people in attendance, all 300 plus people were all veterans or active duty military. And it was all about helping them transition to understand like, Hey, there is more opportunity outside the military. There's this whole entrepreneur space. There's this digital economy, right? Um, this, and, and I basically show them the tools and resources that I use to create income. And, you know, we had Jason, uh, we had, a. Robert Kiyosaki speak. He talked about financial literacy. You know, he wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You got it right over here. I saw it right mm-hmm. on when I walked in your office. Yeah, And uh, he taught about the GDP. And I thought it was a super powerful event. And what really, what really confirmed that for me is one of my attendees basically wrote me a handwritten letter and, you know, told me, hey, two weeks ago, I was thinking about killing myself. And I saw your ad for this event. I'm here now. Now I have new purpose. Mm, that's powerful, man. And I was like, Wow you know? So that wasn't the first time that somebody's told me something like that, but it just confirms like, you know, we're here to make money. We're here to have impact, you know, make money and take our families, do all this stuff. But the people that we're impacting, like, these are real lives that we're changing, you know, you through everything that you have going on and, and, you know, as, as well. So you can't, you can't forget that, um, Every dollar that you generate, like it, it really does change someone's life in some way, shape, or form. So I talk a lot about legacy. I talk about how we're not getting out of this thing alive. I think you have something on your wall I read earlier I can die today, mm-hmm. right? You have all these quotes. It's so true, man. I think about that. Tomorrow's no guarantee. And uh, I have two little girls. And, um, you know, when I'm gone, I, I want them to carry the legacy, or at least my name will, will carry on to mean something. I want them to be set up and have something that that supports them, you know, as they grow as adults and Im- impact the world. So, you know, through my programs and through my coaching, I always think of giving back and I always think of, you know, what's going to be left when I'm gone. So two organizations that I'm really a part of is, uh, one of them is called Pencils for Promise. So every 25 grand uh, builds a school in Mexico for kids. All right. So we built, I think seven or eight schools now. And another one is called, uh, uh, RIP Medical. So every dollar we raise with them, we it eradicates $10 in military uh, veter- medical veteran debt. And the deal with that one is, you know, the veterans, they go, they serve their country for 10, 20, 30 years. They get banged up. I got banged up too, my knees and back and stuff. And um, unfortunately, when they're going through this medical evaluation to determine what level of benefits they get after the military via, you know, medical care or or financial, most of them don't get their rating that's appropriate because the system kind of works against them because the government, I don't want to get controversial, but they're trying to protect their nest egg, you know? So when these veterans go through this process, you got to really understand how that process works and you have to almost like get a coach. I got a coach to walk me through the process of getting medically evaluated because I have like genuine issues that, that are going on. So I end up, I end up getting 100% disability. It may not look like it. I'm not like crazy or anything, but I did see and experience things that, you know, are un- unseen wounds like PTSD. You know, this stuff exists. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so if they, if I can do anything for veterans, is just help them get financial stability outside the military, put on the events, give them something to look forward to. If I could just in- impact one person, that did my job. I did that at that one event. So I mean, I'm just gonna keep going, and that's what keeps me going every day. Dude, I love that, man. Um, you know, keep crushing it keep uh, giving
0: back, helping these veterans. Um, I love everything you're doing. I'm a fan and uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah,
0: of course. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one.
1: Peace.